Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy looking eyes? It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. Support for this podcast is provided by TearCare, a product of Sight Sciences. TearCare is a device that applies heat to the eyelids where the current medical community recommends the application of a warm compress to the eyelids. Applications include meibomian gland dysfunction, MGD, dry eye, or blepharitis. Ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested in specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point podcast. My name is Jackie Garlic, and I am joined by my co-host, Leslie Odell. And we have a guest with us today that we're very excited to have on the podcast. We're joined by Dr. Kimberly Friedman. And I'm going to take just a minute to read her bio to uh, explain how great of uh, a guest she is going to be today as we talk about the role of nutrition in dry eye disease. So Dr. Friedman is a founding partner of Moorestown Eye Associates, a private group optometric practice in New Jersey, and is the director of the Dry Eye Clinic at Moorestown Eye. She is a past president of the New Jersey Society of Optometric Physicians, a fellow in, um, in the American Academy of Optometry and a diplomat uh, of the American Board of Optometry, as well as a past clinical director for the New Jersey and National Special Olympics Opening Eyes Program. She currently serves as a vice president with Physician Recommended Nutraceuticals. And um, she also serves on the advisory board of the Healthy Eyes Advantage uh, previously is on the advisory board of Women in Optometry Magazine and has appeared in numerous television segments and print media throughout the U.S., including the Rachel Ray Show. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. That is super cool. I did not know that. <laughs> So she's also received many awards, including the New Jersey and the NJSOP OD of the Year Award and the Young OD of the Year Award, VSP's People First Choice Award, and the Special Olympics National Recognition Award. She lectures lectures nationally and writes recurring columns for various eye care related publications. Dr. Friedman, welcome. We're so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I should have shortened that bio a little bit more. Sorry to make you read that. <laughs> oh, no, it's wonderful. And it really makes us feel um, excited to have you and all of your um, different layers of expertise that have um, really made you an awesome leader, optometry female. So we appreciate all of the things you do that make you, you. <laughs> well, I appreciate what you guys are doing as well. So this is a mutual admiration society that we've got going on here. <laughs> So today we, you are here to educate us and our listeners on the role of nutrition in dry eye disease. Um, we probably should have had a podcast like this in one of our, in like probably our last year episode. I listen to a lot of nutrition podcasts and the, like the recurring theme in a lot of these is nutrition plays a role in so many disease processes. And although we're always looking for like what medication we can be using to treat dry eye disease, if we really just change our diet, um, 
and, and not just from dry eye, but just from a total body systemic standpoint, uh, you can cure a lot of the problems that are wrong uh, and with your body and with, and with your eyes. So today we're focusing obviously on eyes. Um, so I was hoping you could maybe even start us out with like, what is the role of omegas in dry eye disease and meibomian gland dysfunction? Well, certainly omegas play a huge role in meibomian gland dysfunction and dry eye disease. And honestly, I am as guilty as anyone in not understanding that role for many, many years. Even when I started my dry eye clinic back in the, uh, you know, 10 years ago, give or take, I really, at that point, didn't have a clear understanding of the role that nutrition and omega-3 fatty acids play in the development of and progression of dry eye disease. What we do know is, let's take, for example, if you look at meibomian glands under a slit lamp. Now, most of us all understand that evaporative dry eye disease is the, is the major cause or a mixed form with evaporative eye, uh, dry eye. And that of course comes from the meibomian glands. And when we look at the meibomian glands under the slit lamp and we see that white capped gland gook toothpaste stuff, what we're actually seeing there is omega fatty acids. That is a visual representation right there of what the omega balance of fatty acids is in our body. And when you see that white capped meibomian gland, those are omega-6s. When you see that olive oily consistency meibom, that is omega-3s. At body temperature, meibom that is full of omega-3s is going to be very olive oil consistency. Meibom that is full of omega-6s is going to be very much like toothpaste, lard, margarine consistency. So without even any of the fancy schmancy tests or imaging devices, you can tell simply by just looking at the slit lamp if the patient is deficient in omega-3 fatty acids or excessive in omega-6 fatty acids. It really isn't rocket science. It's right there in front of you. Well, I would say that we both have those patients, you know, that we've all seen both sides of that coin, the, the white toothpaste that you're saying, and then also the clear mybum that is what we're achieving with our treatments. And I think that really goes to show how, you know, nutritional supplementations, not that you actually need that as a foundational therapy when you're trying to do any kind of MGD treatment, right? So if you're trying to clear out that white toothpaste and you don't have them on some kind of foundational supplementation and their diet is high in the omega-6, you're going to be climbing a mountain uphill at, you know, the whole way um, for that patient and, and what they might've invested in might not be as successful as we hope. Absolutely. In, in my office, I, I use Lipiflow per se, but you could use whatever that you use in your office, but I won't do Lipiflow unless the patient is on a good quality omega-3 fatty acid. I don't want unhappy patients. And if a patient is investing out of pocket um, in an out of pocket expense procedure in order to improve their signs and symptoms of dry eye disease, and I clear everything out, but then it fills back up again with sort of this poor quality mybum, they're gonna be unhappy again in a very short period of time. And a, and a person who's invested a lot of cash in a procedure to make them feel better is going to be extremely unhappy with you if they don't feel better or don't get the results that they're anticipating. And I really don't feel as though you can get those results until you are getting the balance of the omega-3 to omega-6 in your body in a ratio that will allow the mybum to be in that healthy form. So this kind of, I kind of have a two-part question with this. Um, I do the same thing. So I do tear care in my office, but I definitely 
um, don't do tear care without supplementing with some omega-3. But I, I wondered, and I was actually going to ask you about this, Leslie, too. Do you make it some sort of rule that you need to have them on omega-3s a month, two months prior to doing any of these thermal therapies, Lipiflow, tear care? Or will you just still do it? And then, like, how quickly are we going to be seeing results once people start an omega-3 supplement? So the studies indicate that we're going to see results in eight to 12 weeks. It depends on which study you reference, but it's somewhere in the eight to 12 week uh, period of time. Most of the studies that show results within eight weeks are studies that have had some type of Mibram expression done, and then the omega-3s are initiated. Most of the studies that show 12 weeks are the studies that don't have Mibum expression done first. So I think that it really can be done two different ways, depending on what's most practical for your office. You're going to get faster results if you combine it with Mibum expression. You're going to get slower results if you don't combine it with Mibum expression. But either way, you're going to get results. And some of the studies have indicated 70% asymptomatic rate after only three months or two to three months on a uh, good quality reesterified triglyceride omega-3 fatty acid with 100% improvement in that time period as well. So it will give us improvement, maybe faster with Mibum expression, but we're going to get that improvement either way. And then at what point, um, since we're talking about treatment, at what point in your treatment of a dry eye patient, are you adding in this omega-3 supplement? Like, where do you add drops? Where do you say, I'm going to start at omega first? Um, what's, how do you handle that? Interestingly enough, if you had asked me that question in 2016, it would have been a different answer than today. Um, I traditionally did way back when, uh, either a Restasis or Zydra or in today's world, Sequa as my first step. And then I would bring the patient back in in three months. And if they were still uncomfortable, still showing signs and symptoms, I would add an omega-3. In 2016, a large randomized placebo-controlled um, study was published that really indicated that an omega-3 fatty acid approach first was probably more appropriate. And, and I, along with a lot of other dry eye uh, specialists out there, really switched and flipped their protocol at that point in time. When that study was published, it showed us that a good quality reesterified triglyceride form in the right dosage would affect tear breakup time, MMP9, corneal staining, um, the OSDI, the osmolarity, basically every sign and symptom that we use, every, every marker we use for dry eye disease. Whereas we know that the topical drops that are out there, even though they're drugs, they really might meet one or two markers. Maybe it's, maybe it's OSDI or maybe it is Shermer's or maybe it is staining, but they really don't meet the breadth that a good quality omega-3 fatty acid does. So that's when I flipped it. So now since 2016, my foundational protocol, first thing before I bring anything else out of my bag of tricks is a, about two to three grams of a reesterified triglyceride form omega-3 fatty acid in a high EPA form. And that really does work for almost, I would say half to 60% of my patients. That alone, when they come back at their three-month follow-up is all they need. And um, honestly, I think the... I, I write far fewer prescriptions for the topical drops than I did in the past, 
which in some ways is nice because I'm having to deal with far fewer prior authorizations than I had to in the past as well. That is the truth. That's like the biggest hurdle of our job right now. I think what you said is really powerful because when, you know, some of these medications came out, the the big um, draw was that they improved signs and symptoms of dry eye. And just like you said, that might've been one uh, sign, right? Clinical finding. Um, And and this study that you're talking about, that's improving all these different markers, not only symptoms, but inflammation, um, corneal staining, you know, meibomian secretions, like, you know, it's amazing that we can get that. And I think that what we just all are trained is to think more pharmaceutically versus nutraceutically. Um, And I think that's, what's really kind of exciting to learn about when we're learning about things like omegas is what you put into your body is really, you know, what fuels your body. And that's what a lot of our patients and, you know, including myself, um, are guilty of is, is not having the best diet, maybe not being the best hydrated, those things really impact dry eye disease for sure. Yeah. I, um, I think this, I mean, I don't know. I found it to me, maybe, maybe it's geographical, but a lot of my patients really don't want to be put on anything prescription. So to be able to have like, well, let's just do an omega three, like people love supplements, or at least my patients are like very okay with supplements. They're very not okay with a prescription medication. I would think Jackie, for you, for you, I would think it's probably like your patient base, right? You're dealing with a lot of younger people. As soon as you say prescription, people automatically feel old. Um, So I feel like in younger, you know, our younger patients that nutraceuticals definitely um, are appealing. Um, and, and really when, you know, if you think about anything that you can do naturally, uh, most patients are, are very receptive to the natural ways that we can treat anything. So I, I do have a question on, um, these are probably some of the questions I've heard from my patients, but why can't, um, why is one omega-3 supplement better than another? And like, how do I read or look at an over-the-counter you know, Omega, I was listening to a video that you had done before that was like really great on that. So I was hoping you could maybe just tell us the highlights, the points on like why one over the counter, why, why is a cheap Omega three, a cheap one? Like, and why is that not effective? Basically it comes down to three things. You have to look at what the dose is of the Omega three fatty acid that you're looking at. You have to look at the ratio of the EPA and DHA in the formula. And you also have to look at the form of the omega-3 fatty acids. So dose, form, and ratio, those are the three things to look at. Dose is pretty easy. We know from clinical testing, we need somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams, two to three grams of EPA and DHA, omega-3 fatty acid to make an effect at the ocular surface. So that's pretty simple part of the conversation, 2,000 to 3,000 EPA and DHA. The second thing we need to look at is what form is the omega-3 fatty acid in? 90% of the omega-3 fatty acids, either over the counter or prescription for that matter, because there are prescription omega-3s as well, are in the ethyl ester form. So going back to biochemistry for just a brief second, bear with me, the fish oil is comes in a triglyceride form that if we take the oil from the fish it is in a triglyceride form, but we have to clean it because there might be heavy metals, PCBs, mercury, things like that, that we dump into our oceans, unfortunately. So in the cleaning process, the distillation process, it converts that triglyceride omega-3 fatty acid into an ethyl ester form. That is the form that most people put in a capsule and throw out there. 
The problem is that that form is a foreign synthetic form to our bodies. They, we can't digest it. It sits in our stomach. Only about 20 to 30% actually gets into the body and the rest of it just goes through out into our um, stool actually. So what happens is in an ethyl ester form, sometimes you get fish burps and indigestion and such because it can't digest well and it's not really doing anything. You would have to take it by the handful to get enough into the bloodstream to get to the meibomian glands to make a, a difference. So we have to look for a re-esterified triglyceride form that is the cleaned form that has then been reconverted back into a triglyceride. So it's the same form as is found in a clean piece of salmon. So if, if you don't have any you know, GI discomfort or side effects with a clean piece of salmon, you're not going to have any GI issues with a re-esterified triglyceride omega-3 fatty acid supplement. And it has an 80 to 90% absorption rate. So it's getting in and it's doing something and you don't have to take it in mega doses in order to get it in. So again, first thing, the dose, two to 3,000 milligrams of EPA DHA. Second th thing is the form, re-esterified triglyceride. And most labels are gonna tout that if that's what they are. But that is a big difference between a $17 bottle and a $50 bottle is whether it's ethyl ester or re-esterified triglyceride. And then the last thing is the ratio. And, and that is, there are three subtypes of omega-3s and not to get too bogged down in this, but ALA, EPA, and DHA. ALA does not work for ocular surface health. EPA and DHA do. I'm just oversimplifying here. So if you have a label that says um, 2000 milligrams of fish oil, flip it over on the back. And on the back, if it's actually 1500 ALA and only 500 of EPA and DHA, you really are only getting 500. It doesn't matter what's on the front of the label or how much ALA is in there or some of the other things that are in there, really just key in on EPA and DHA. You need about 2000 to 3000 milligrams of EPA and DHA and not all the other stuff. Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy looking eyes? It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like um, I have a lot of patients that will say like, oh, I take an omega-3. And then I almost, like, I'm always like, do you, ha do you have it? <laughs> Can I look at the label? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then another thing that I started doing is um, looking at, I kind of challenge those patients sometimes and I use the omega-3 quant test so I can actually challenge them to test what their red blood cell saturation is and get a number. So that optimal range is about 8%. And so a patient that says that they've been taking another brand of fish oil for a long time, I'll, I'll say, okay, let's just test it out and see how effective it's been. Um, and that helps me to make the point of, you know, a lot of times those labs will come back like in the three or 4% range. And then I can educate them as to where we want them to be optimally. And it's a much easier conversation. Um, and we even have it set up that we can, um, get the results like a blood test would be. So I can get the results and the patient gets the results emailed. Um, and then I can call and follow up on, on those patients. That's been helpful. And it's not an expensive test. So they, I have it in my office and they, they pay um, $28 to take it home um, and get that lab ordered. 
Yeah, I, I use that in my office as well. Um, I will say that I, I use it on, I don't use it on every single patient. Maybe I should, but I use it often for exactly that case. Like when I have the doubting Thomas who just, you know, I tell them omega-3s are where I want them to go and they just think any old omega-3 is fine. That blood index test is very easy to prove it to them that they're not getting the absorption. It's not getting to the source. And that's why they still have dry eye symptoms. I didn't realize you were doing that in the, I didn't realize that's a thing you can do in the office. Yeah. So that's been around for a, a little while. I, I actually always thought about it to myself. Like I had a vitamin D deficiency and it was nice to see what that number was. And then I was put on, you know, um, vitamin D supplement and then they retested. Um, so I, I do like being able to quantify it and I actually don't use it on everybody um, either, but it is helpful when I do. It, it's definitely um, open the eyes of some patients, you know, to see where they are on that scale. I've taken it on myself. I just didn't realize you, you would, you, it's, it's like a good idea to do that on that patient. Yeah. That's something else. Um, one last question I had here, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, um, I, what do you say to the patient? This is another thing that I hear often is, can I just eat more salmon or more tuna, cheese? Right. So the studies around sometimes with tuna even, but Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, can I just eat more of that instead of taking a pill? And what do you say to that? I wish I could say yes, but no. Um, unfortunately, we uh, have really polluted our oceans to the point that if we were to eat enough wild caught salmon or tuna in order to get our omega-3 blood index level to the 8% level or higher, which is what our recommended and therapeutic level is, Um, And that's based on multiple clinical studies that that have been done by like fatty acid research institute experts that 8% is our target. Um, We would end up having mercury poisoning. We really have um, shown that really only about one to two cans of tuna per week is really a safe amount for an average weight human to consume without getting too much mercury. Um, same thing with a lot of the wild caught salmon and the other fish. Um, I would love to say that we could consume wild caught fish in a way that would allow us to get to an 8% omega-3 index level. But unfortunately, we just have too many pollutants in our ocean to do so safely. So then you would say, well, maybe we could do it with farm raised fish because with farm raised fish, we're not going to find the pollutant level that we do with those that are wild caught. And unfortunately, in that case, it's a no as well, because the way the farming industry works is they often use grain sources to feed the fish, to fatten them up and get them to market faster than their natural diet. And so if you were to look at the typical piece of salmon that was wild caught, it will have more omega-3s and only a very small amount of omega-6 fatty acids, but it will have pollutants. If you were to look at a piece of salmon that was farm raised, traditionally it will have much more omega-6 fatty acids in it than omega-3 fatty acids. So now we're supplementing exactly what we don't want to supplement. So we have all these patients that think they're doing the right thing by eating a lot of salmon in their diet, but if it's farm raised salmon, they're probably just supplementing their omega-6s and not threes. And I'm using salmon as an example. It could be any kind of seafood that, 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 that applies to. I actually didn't know that piece of information until my rep told me that. And I was like, oh, I don't think I ever pay attention if it's like wild caught or farm raised. And I think that that's like, 
and the gen and the general population, I think people would have no idea and think they're doing, you know, good by yeah. eating salmon, which they are, you know, but yeah, it could be the better. same thing happens with cattle. And, and, um, so with cattle, they used to be all grass fed cattle. Right. And then we learned how to fatten them up quicker and how to farm them faster with grains and what have you. So now most of the beef that we eat as Americans are corn fed beef, not grass fed beef. And corn-fed beef is very high in omega-6s. Grass-fed beef is actually very high in omega-3s. Hmm. And it's funny, I was lecturing at a Capitol Grill once and I made a joke about how, well, tonight you'll be getting a good quality omega-3 rich you know, beef. And the waiter like sheepishly waved his hand in the background and said, can I speak? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he goes, yeah, not really. Everything here is corn-fed too. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, <laughs> so I learned something. <laughs> Actually, even more interesting, I happened to have a, a family friend or somebody that I was that was talking about. They were a cattle farmer and they were like feeding their cows. Like, I'm not even kidding. They would take truckloads of anything that was left over moldy bread or gummy bears that were expired. Like and they were feeding it to the cows. And I was like thinking really hard about what I was eating because I had never heard something like that before. But I guess when there was a corn, like maybe there was like bad weather and there was like a corn shortage that then farmers were looking for anything. But I was thinking like, that's not something you hear about every day. Gummy bears going in my cows. So, you know, talk about omega-6 and um, high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> It'll fatten them up. Right. <laughs> crazy. Um, all right. I think that about like, we have covered like a good amount of stuff um, here. Leslie, did you have any other things you wanted to add? I like feel uh, very knowledgeable. Thank you, Kim. For, for yeah, no, I think it's always, you know, great to hear from somebody who's so um, knowledgeable when it comes to nutrition. Um, I think it's, you know, not only even in our dry eye patients, but, you know, a majority of what we're treating that's trying to be preventative in care, whether it's macular degeneration or you know, diabetic eye disease, you know, we, we have a lot that we can do to really um, be preventative and nutrition and lifestyle play a huge role in that. They do more so than I think we realized when we were in training in school. So one of the things that I learned in my practice was that when I just recommended that the patient go on omega-3 fatty acids without being specific, they would certainly just go to the drugstore and buy the cheapest thing on the shelf. So now I'm very careful to make sure that I recommend specific products by specific names. And whenever possible, I put them on home delivery so that just like their mail or pharmacy sends a product quarterly for them, I have them on the same kind of setup. It kind of elevates it to their in their mind that it's just like another mail order pharmacy product arriving at their home quarterly so that they stay consistent and compliant on the recommendation that I am giving them. And now for the to the point wrap up. Did you know you can assess your patient's omega-6 and omega-3 balance just from examining the meibomian glands? When you see those white-capped glands, think high omega-6. And when you see clear mybum flowing, think high omega-3s. When using a reesterified triglyceride formula of an omega-3 fish oil supplement, you can expect to see improvement of meibomian gland secretions within 8 to 12 weeks. 12 weeks if you do no manual expression prior to initiating therapy, and as early as 8 weeks if you do expression with that high quality omega. When thinking about 
What's important when selecting your omega-3? Think of these three things, dose, ratio, and form. With the dose, we wanna be looking at two to three grams daily. For our ratio, we want to have a higher EPA to DHA ratio. And the form is probably the most important thing. We don't wanna have this ethyl ester form, which affects absorption and causes you know, poor absorption into the, the bloodstream. We want a re-esterified triglyceride form. Then you can expect to see 80 to 90% absorption. Keep educating your patients about the importance of diet, nutrition, and also supplementation with things like high quality fish oil on your journey while treating dry eye.